Welcome to Imperfect Action. I'm Brock Edwards, and today's guest is Nita Bushin. And Nita, can you introduce yourself to everyone? Hi. Yes, I'm um, happy to be on the show here, and I'm a leadership coach and serial entrepreneur, also an author and a speaker at the Global Grit Institute. All right. So Global Grit Institute, what, what is that about? Yeah, so we actually help uh, entrepreneurs and leaders scale their messages, their marketing, and impact the world. So what does that look like? So, so yeah, so um, since my background, uh, I was a cosmetic dentist in my former life. And so um, coupled with uh, my now husband, uh, we decided to really put our um, kind of our, our best practices together. Um, I was actually his leadership coach. And, um, when I, when I transitioned from dentistry, a lot of the things that, um, the professionals in my field, whether you were a doctor, a dentist, a lawyer, engineer, um, what they didn't have is that business acumen. And, um, and so my husband and I kind of joined forces together and uh, decided that based on, because we, we co-authored a book together called The Book of Coaching, um, and he had founded uh, several companies along the digital education space, uh, one of which um, he was a co-founder of Valley and now is uh, also the founder of, of Evercoach, which is a platform that teaches coaches to become even better. Uh, and so we decided to create a consulting firm that would help um, professionals who were ready to create businesses around their messages or even um, create online enterprises, do it in a, in a better way. So that's uh, the birthing of the Global Grid Institute. All right. So what made you decide to step away from dentistry? <laughs> yeah. So... Um, well, lots of things. Uh, I think that the big catalyst for that was um, was really a personal situation that I had in my life at the time um, that would lead into a trajectory of uh, self discovery. And um, I, uh, I was, I actually was uh, walking away from my marriage. And I think at the time, um, it was, I was in my late twenties and, um, you know, uh, from the outside, everything was, uh, was, was, was perfect because I had gone through, um, quite a bit of, of different points of resilience in my life up until that point. Um, I had, uh, you know, gone through extensive loss, um, losing both of my parents and a brother of mine before I was 19. And that really drove me into overcharge and uh, really overdrive um, and equating my, um, you know, my upbringing from, you know, Asian immigrant parents to having this almost uh, chip on my shoulder that I needed to prove myself to the world, which, which led me to um, do things that were culturally acceptable in my upbringing. Um, you know, being born and raised from uh, Filipino and Indian parents, um, that's what you did was you became a doctor or dentist. Uh, and so I did just that. And um, what happened then in my 20s was then... Um, a series of, uh, you know, 
achieving lots and, um, you know, being very young when I graduated and then also then going on to own my practice and um, being successful as, at, at that. And so success, accolades, honor, you know, all of that were great. Uh, but what I didn't know is I didn't know myself. And so, um, which led me to uh, some of the choices that I made in my personal life, uh, which kind of had me at a standstill um, and eventually led me to leaving my my marriage uh, and also then everything that came with that life, including uh, the profession of, of dentistry. So, I mean, that's quite a journey. And, you know, so sometimes you, when, when people kind of hit bottom, that sparks that, that journey of self-discovery as well. But it sounds like, I mean, you'd already had, had great tragedy in your life. You'd had countered that and had great success. And so for you, what, what, I don't know, the, the piece missing sounds wrong, but what was that? What, what did you discover about yourself that helped you transition into this new life? Yeah. So, you know, it was really, it was really understanding how being vulnerable as a leader, being vulnerable as a healthcare provider, you know, I think so much in my life had been dictated about, um, you know, having the stoic face and, and, uh, you know, saving face for society and, uh, basically, uh, what was culturally accepted for me at that point, which really informed my decisions of how I was to lead this small team of mine. Um, and so really ba- breaking through that was understanding um, that even in such a uh, tumultuous time uh, in my life, uh, going through this, you know, going through this divorce, but needing to actually allow other people to um, to be able to to say, okay, I can help you. That was something so foreign to me. Um, and so I think that was the initial groundbreaking moment of, you know what, things change when you actually lead with authenticity, things change when you actually are vulnerable. Um, and so that really catapulted, um, everything. It catapulted me in the way that I would then, uh, build my practice and, um, you know, uh, hire other doctors. And then of course, um, start a couple of different other, um, ventures, including a nonprofit. And then of course, consulting on the side, because then my practice on the business side grew, um, you know, from 20%, 30% year over year, uh, and which began to then, um, you know, show up as an additional business of, of consulting. And first it was consulting other, other businesses, um, and other, um, other doctors and dental offices. And then it kind of grew to small business owners. Uh, and then of course it grew to, um, really understanding that, uh, what I was doing was not so much business consulting, but it was actually leadership consulting. Um, and it was focusing in on mindset and leadership, which then led me to really do a deep dive of research. Um, because that's really my first passion as a, as a, as a psychologist, as a scientist, uh, as a person of medicine, um, where it led me to 45 countries around the world to really understand how leaders, uh, think, how they make decisions. Um, 
and how it's not just about um, you know the the monetary success, but it's really the character and, and what are the characteristics that are involved uh, for great leadership, which was very fascinating for me because as a trained doctor, um, you know, dentist, you don't get that uh, in in any sort of medical school or dental school. Uh, you're not taught that, and um, and that was a you know so eye opening. So, and I want to touch on that, but a question comes to mind here is that you had mentioned that you went into dentistry because it was the, you know, the, the cultural expectation and it, it almost, so I, I don't know enough about the culture, but did you have to break from the culture at any point as you were going through this journey? Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, n- when you say break from the culture, uh, the the expectations that those um, that the that the culture kind of um, you know put up uh, you know to 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 make me believe that I was in such a box. Uh, one of the big things that uh, was really limiting me um, for for that time in my life was the idea that divorce is so taboo. Um, the idea that, um, you know, being in a, a violent, uh, relationship, um, shouldn't be talked about. So there are a lot of these things that, um, kept me from really, uh, you know, uh, wanting to share or be open about some of these things, which, which then of course led me to start, uh, you know, the nonprofit for women and girls to activate their voices, um, and build their self-confidence which then led me to, you know, another creating another mastermind group for specifically for professional women um, and professional women of color, uh, mostly, you know, Asian backgrounds, um, but really, you know, kind of started to dig more into um, how I can actually help the Asian diaspora from that lens. So you, you don't sit idle much. Um, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you've you've got a lot going on, and and so for for you know this year, what what big projects are you excited about that you're working on? <laughs> well, uh, I I just joined motherhood this year, and um, so I gave birth to my son actually late late last uh, in October, and so parenthood has been has been fun. It's been uh, it's been very exciting. Um, my husband and I we finished our third book, um, which is a uh, kind of the um, sequel to the book of coaching. It's now, uh, we don't have a title just yet, but it's something around the business of coaching. Um, and, and really growing our, 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 uh, our consulting, um, our consulting business. And so that's, uh, those are the three things that we're mostly excited about. Excellent. Well, well, parenthood's a you know a challenge in and of itself, and and it will definitely keep you busy. Oh um, yes. <laughs> so, uh, kind of going back to you know you mentioned uh, developing research around leadership mindset. So, with, with the folks that you help, and I know everyone's different, but are there common areas where you see these entrepreneurs getting in their own way? 
Oh yes. Um, every single day it's, uh, it's the, the self talk and the self critic that comes out. Um, it's, uh, you know, it's a lot about, um, especially the professionals that, you know, are so used to perfection and the idea of perfection that they have never experienced any failure or failure to them is the, um, almost the end of the world. Uh, these are the types of things that we break through. Um, in my first book that I wrote, Emotional Grit, uh, it was really all of the research that I had, you know, compiled around, um, you know, the different characteristics that it takes to you know, build great leadership. And most of it is, um, centered around, you know, uh, empathy and, um, you know, really being able to understand the other person's perspective. Um, and so, you know, for many of the leaders, uh, once they are, you know, the ego is out of the way, then, you know, the true gems that start to birth out is that clarity. Um, but they have to be open in, you know, to, to really be able to receive the clarity and also to, um, you know, kind of understand it for themselves. So how do you help them get past that, that trap of perfectionism? You know, someone once told me that I don't know where the line for good enough is, but I know where the line for excellent is. <laughs> yes. Well, I mean, a big portion of what I tend to teach um, regarding emotional health and emotional leadership is to help them is to help leaders build their own capacity um, and, you know, really build capacity in the way that they can take rejection. Um, because if they are, I used to live in the Bay Area um, when I was first starting out my, my coaching practice and mentoring practice. Um, and so I would mentor the startup founders um, in Silicon Valley. And then that led me to uh, actually to New Delhi, India. But during that time, what I noticed is that the innate, relentless pursuit of getting that no, because that was just so much a part of the startup culture. And, you know, they were used to it because they had to pitch their idea, you know, 20 to a hundred times before it was going to be accepted. Um, and of course funded if, if at all. Uh, whereas with, you know, many of the professionals that I work with or folks that, um, you know, are, are, are traditionally in, uh, corporate positions, they're just climbing up the ladder a lot of times they lose that um, muscle to innovate. They lose that ability to be flexible because either their agenda is they want to climb up the ladder um, or they don't want to look bad. Um, and so, you know, to be able to create uh, this mindset of, you know, mistakes are feedback or failure is actually feedback, uh, that is something that, you know, I get really excited about because I too was in that position as well, where you're completely, you know, um, teaching the, the, the opposite. And that's actually accepted. You get a, you get a badge in Silicon Valley if you've failed, you know, your first or second or third startup. Um, and so, um, you know, making that more of, um, um, of, of almost a badge of honor instead of, you know, uh, something to be ashamed of, I think is, is, um, you know, is, is, is fruitful. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I grew up racing motorcycles, and there was a, a racing adage, which was essentially that if you're not crashing occasionally, you're not going fast enough. Mm, yeah, you know, the, yeah. The, the <laughs> a idea little dangerous, if, but yeah. yeah. Yeah, you know, that if you're, if, you're, if you're staying well within your comfort zone, you are never getting faster. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's a, yep. you know, on motorcycles, you're, you're kind of expected to fall off occasionally, but in business... You know, there, there's often a real stigma to any kind of setback. You, you know, the, the the Hollywood tale is always, you know, just the the, the growth that is always going up and to the right, right. Um, in, in someone's career. And it's never a squiggly line, although in life, it's always a squiggly line. Mm-hmm. Right. And um, yeah, it's, it's just celebrating the success stories. But you know, so many people, you know, fail to, to see some of the biggest success stories come from, um, you know, years of failure or years of pivoting or years of um, trying to be consistent in order to make something work uh, that'll last and that'll be sustainable. You know, there's a, a question that, that I always have, and I've asked several people, and that is the idea of how do you know when to persist and or when to pivot? Mm-hmm. You know, cause mm-hmm. we, we have great examples on either side where, you know, I just stuck it out another month and it all came together. And then there's other examples where, you know, I shifted out of that business and it was the best thing I could have ever done. Oh, totally. Totally. That's a great, it's a great question. And I think I kind of veer on the side of, you know, trusting your own gut, um, because you have to be able to check in with yourself and ask yourself, how is this serving me? Um, does this still light me up? Is this something that I'm still passionate about? Um, is this something that, you know, I can see contributing to others? Because once you lose that fuel, um, you know, even if you stick it out for another month, you'd be hating yourself for it. Um, so, you know, innately, you have to really believe uh, that whatever it is that you're doing is you know, that is your purpose for that, you know, period in your life or that phase in your life or that phase of the business. Um, and that you're still willing to actually, you know, put the work in, um, and going back to your why ultimately, and going back to, you know, the, the vision and the mission that you have for it. Um, because if that is not there, then there's no, there's no use to continue on, um, you know, and, and, and that could be the indication that it is ready and time for you to pivot. You, you know, you, you mentioned passion there, Nita. And I, I'm always a little curious, you know, passion. I, I am not convinced that everyone knows what they're passionate about. And, and, and the reason I say that is because, you know, there is the cultural standards. There's of the course. Hollywood standards. There's what, you know, what I think I should be passionate about. And then there's also the confusion, I think, around the idea that if I'm passionate about it, it means that I'd never have a bad day. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and, and of course, we know in any job, no matter how passionate we are about it, that there's some rough days. In fact, they're, they're, I suspect they're even rougher when we're passionate just because we care so much more. Of course. Of course. So, I, and, and I don't know if you, you experience this with your clients, but how do you help people uh, – Kind of, kind of uncover or sort out what is that feasible passion? You know, it's going to pay the bills and yet it still lights you up and yet you're still willing to, to suffer, you know, the, the hardships to 
um, you know, keep doing it every day. Yeah, well, I mean, in Latin, passion does mean to suffer, right? Uh, so, um, you know, a lot of times, if uh, and, and this is what I what I share with with my clients as well, is that you know there there's two ways to think about it because in Latin, passion means you know suffering. Um, you know, is it that your passion is birthed from? some of the suffering that you've experienced. And now that, that does become your why that does become your purpose. Uh, that be, that does become the thing that you are fighting for or the thing that you were, um, so excited about or the problem that you wish to solve. Um, now, uh, you know, and I'm going to quote my, my, my husband's recent book, Live Big, um, but he talks a lot about uh, passion, purpose, and practicality. And, um, you know, the idea is that you can't have one without the other if you're going to create a business, um, because you have your passion that will fuel the purpose, uh, but without being practical and understanding the business nuances and understanding that there will be highs and lows and having the awareness that, um, you know, things may not be hunky dory a hundred percent of the time you then go back to your passion and purpose, which then fuels the, the practicality portion, but the practicality are the systems and the operations of which your passion is moving along. Um, or this problem that you're solving is, is moving along, even though it may take months or years or, um, lots of frustration in the middle. Um, but again, that, you know, it kind of all fuels each other. Um, so, so switching gears a little bit here now you, you've, you know, you, you've been through a lot in life, you've achieved a lot in life, you're, you're doing something that, that you're clearly fired up about. And I'm, I'm curious, do you get people who come back and say, yeah, but Nita, I'm not you. Mm-hmm. Like you can do that, sure, because of, you know, the circumstances of your life or who you are, or your personality or whatever, but, but that's not me. Yeah, so we, we then go into, well, who are you? Because I think that, um, you know, so many people try to emulate others and, you know, I, 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 I'm not anyone's guru or, you know, nor anybody's idol or anything like that. But, um, I think that it really goes back to understanding who you are and understanding, um, your own capabilities, your own shortcomings. And, um, you know, if you are really looking to build something or create something, um, you know, it starts with kind of uh, looking into what are some of the things that may hold you back um, and really looking at those fears in the face and really um, addressing each one of those fears uh, because you know, everyone is different. Everyone has their own journey. Um, but again, everyone has, uh, you know, their own um, things that may hold them back for whatever reason. It's past programming. It's, you know, a trigger from when we were seven years old that may have not been dealt with or healed. Um, and then it will, you know, there, there are things that will come up in, in life. But then again, it really comes down to, um, you know, the principles of, of emotional intelligence. Are you open to 
growing through that? Are you open to um, accepting where you are, wherever that is? And then from that place, can you actually um, commit uh, to something, um, whatever that is? Uh, and then, of course, then then take action on that. Um, so, you know, I, I, I go back to really then, you know, building that um, the EQ muscle or the emotional intelligence muscle, the emotional resilience muscle, because, um, you know, for for so many of us, you know, there, there will be constant triggers that will test um uh, you know, how we are and, and, and what we do and, and kind of, you know, shake and rattle things up. And it's of course, you know, the journey that we have in, in life, but, um, you know, can you go back and, uh, and, and really be aware of, uh, where you are in that journey? So we, we, we've been, you know, talking talk about, you know, just here, you know, helping people get, get out of their own way. What, what, whatever it is where they're standing in their own way, where do you find you tend to get in your own way? And what do you do to mitigate that? Hmm. Great question. You know, I used to actually fire all cylinders and I used to be, um, you know, I think I think motherhood has has kind of shifted things a lot uh, because before my son, I would you know start multiple projects and collaborate on so many things, um, and you know burn the mid midnight oil and just um, you know be that champion not just for other people but even others that I, I, I believed in their works, um, and now I just I I don't have that time. Um, and I don't have that capacity even for myself in order to do that or be that for other people. Um, and so, you know, for me, it's now, it's kind of the opposite. It's, it's taking things much slower than I would generally fire at, uh, because I know now I just do not have the, you know, the time, um, and nor do I want to, you know, uh, half-ass anything that I, that I work on or put out in the world. So now, um, I guess before I would, I would go yes to X, Y, and Z project and I would do all of it. <laughs> now I think it takes me, you know, I have a few more check-ins before I actually agree to something and agree to doing something. And then I take the extra time, even though, um, I know I probably can get something done, um, sooner, but now I take the extra time to fully plan, fully fully execute, um, and fully think things through, um, you know, uh, the life cycle of the project or, you know, where it would go or how it would lead, um, versus before just kind of acting along the, you know, the seat of my pants. Yeah. So you, you mentioned that your so your son's less than a year old, um, sounds like about six months or so. So, I mean, he doesn't care about any of this right now, but <laughs> he, he will someday. And so, what would your advice be to him? Hmm. Yeah. Enjoy the ride. Enjoy the ride. There's no need to, 
Um, currently he's, he's almost eight months and, you know, he's, he's trying so hard to walk because he's around so many other, you know, older children. And, you know, it's, it's, it's still early on. Uh, I think the average age is about a year old, but he's definitely my son because <laughs> he's, 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 he's trying so hard to start walking and, um, you know, doing things super fast and, uh, you know, really wants to get in there. And he's like, put me in coach, put me in coach. And, you know, my, 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 uh, my biggest advice is, you know, to him is just to, to slow down and enjoy, enjoy the, the present moment, enjoy where you're at right now. Um, yeah. Uh, excellent. Excellent. Well, as we start wrapping up here, uh, what would your ask be of listeners? How can they help you out, Nita? Yeah, well, if any of this resonates with you and if um, if you are curious at, you know, building more of your emotional leadership or um, your emotional well-being, your emotional health uh, in relationships, in um, any challenges or setbacks that may keep occurring in your life, I encourage you to check out the uh, the book that I wrote that has helped so many people around the world called Emotional Grit. And uh, you can get that off of um, Amazon or you can actually come over to emotionalgrit.com. Very good. Well, you've already started answering my, my second question there, and that's where can people find you? <laughs> yeah, well, I hang out uh, I hang out quite a bit on Instagram um, and also LinkedIn. Those are the two places. If you want to see personal stuff, you can come over to Facebook um, and uh, see photos of my son and I. Um, but yeah, so uh, for social media, Instagram or LinkedIn. Excellent. Well, Nita, this has been fantastic. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you, Brock. It's been, it was so amazing to have a chat with you today. Really appreciate it. You having me on.